It's great to be back with you. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I've been away for three months on a sabbatical. It's lovely to be back with you. If you want to hear more about my sabbatical, come to the next church meeting. I'll be sharing a lot of my journey uh, through that three months then. It will be great to see you there. I want to thank uh, Stuart and ha uh, Hazel as well. That was a long, old reading. And it reminds us today of our, uh, our subject, Jesus, the teacher. Jesus, the teacher. And we heard a handful of stories in there. It was a handful of stories that Jesus told as teaching. It said in the middle that Jesus used these stories to teach the people. I love stories. I don't know about you. But who can remember last week Sean's story? He told us how he became a Christian, and I bet you can remember that. Because actually stories stick in our minds. We love stories. Jesus knew that. And there are lots of lessons we could learn today about the use of stories and how Jesus chose to use that as a way of teaching. But we're not going to. That's not our theme at all today. We're going to be thinking about something slightly different, the actual message that Jesus brought. If you're really interested in stories, may I encourage you to listen to Simon's podcast from uh, uh, January. They talked a lot about the story. And come on the church weekend uh, where we'll be learning about stories as well. But anyway, let's think about Jesus the teacher and what he taught. If you, like me, grew up in church, you would have known those stories really well. I need you to put your hands up if you have done this. Hands up if you have ever coloured in something to do with any of those stories. Yeah, okay. Hands up if you've ever had to make a drama up about any of those stories. Oh, I think there's a few more out there. You're just worried about Christmas, aren't you, and me getting you up here. Hands up if you've ever sung a song about those stories. Hands up if you've ever made something crafty like a pile of weeds or a mustard tree. The favourite thing I ever did about these stories was fuzzy felts. Anyone else have to do fuzzy felts of the weeds, or was it just... My favourite one I found online, which I must get hold of, is the fuzzy felt tabernacle. I'm looking forward to buying that for Christmas. But I had to make fuzzy felts. If you don't know what they were, they were felt sheets with little fuzzy people that you stuck on. And at primary at, uh, G uh, Sunday school, I used to uh, enjoy making fuzzy felt stories. And I guess when I was growing up, I thought that Jesus was teaching us about, I don't know, bad gardeners, weeds, hidden treasure... Sheep, those were all the things that Jesus used stories about. But actually, as I was growing up, I missed out on what Jesus was actually teaching about because he wasn't talking about lost sheep or bad gardeners. He was talking about the kingdom of God. And that's what we're going to be focusing on just for the next 15 minutes or so. The main thrust of Jesus' teaching was about the kingdom of God. In fact, just in Matthew, Mark and Luke, he mentions it over 60 times. That's how significant it was to him. Right at the beginning of uh, Jesus' ministry, he says this, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Right at the beginning of his ministry, he's saying, I'm all about the kingdom of God. That's what I've come here to tell you about what would be my key message of today? If you remember nothing else, try and remember this. I was trying to come up with something catchier, but this will have to do. The kingdom of heaven is about God 
being the king of our lives and this world as he is in heaven. We'll come back to that throughout this morning. There are many different things that Jesus teaches us about. And we're going to look at a number beginning with C that are all about the kingdom of God. And the first one we've seen in action already today. It's the call of the kingdom. Dane and Joe have shown us and told us that they have responded to God's call. They know God loves them. They know deep down now that he has called them, that he wants them in their family. And I thought that was excellent, what Joe said about uh, the fact that she wants to put him as Lord now, as King. That's what she has done. Turn with me, if you have a Bible, to Matthew 18, verses 1 to 3. Matthew 18, verses 1 to 3. Being a youth worker, I like any stories that involve children or young people. I think they teach us a lot. But Jesus here uses a child as an illustration, and he says this. He says you need to enter the kingdom of God. In verse 3, I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like this little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Jesus' teaching says you need to enter the kingdom of God. How do you do that? You accept and you believe in him. You believe that he loves you. You believe that he accepts you as part of his family. Becoming a Christian is putting your trust in God and living for him with him at the center by his kingdom values and for his glory. Jesus says enter the kingdom of God. But more than that, he goes on and says... Receive the kingdom of God. Do you know you're accepted? Do you know that you're part of the kingdom of God? Do you know that? Again, using that story of the child, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. We need to receive the kingdom of God. But more than that, and I think both Joe and Jane picked up on this, we need to inherit the kingdom of God. What do I mean by that? It means that being a Christian means you're a princess of the king. You inherit the king's riches. Being a Christian is far from the stereotype that the world likes to label us. Being a Christian is exciting. We have joy, hope, peace. We have the inheritance of the kingdom. Okay, what else? Matthew 6, 33. I'm sure you know a song about this. First, seek the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Seek the kingdom. You see, when you become a Christian, that's the beginning of your journey, not the end. You're in a different world, a different value system. You have new responsibilities. Hold on to this. We're going to come back to it later. And then the final thing that Jesus often refers to uh, is to it's coming. lay hold of the kingdom. Now, what on earth does that mean? Matthew 11, verse 12. From the days of John, to Baptist, or John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forcing men to lay hold of it. What does that mean? 
very simply, it means to live it. Lay hold of the kingdom. Live it. Understand what these new values are. Understand you're in a new kingdom. Understand you have a new king who has new ways for you. Jesus used stories to tell us that he wants us to live like he lives. God loves you. He's king for you. But do you live in his kingdom? Do you lay hold of it? I think we've seen today the powerful, powerful way God changes lives. And both Joe and Jane today have said, I've got a new king. I'm living in a new kingdom. I'm living only for God. I'm living only for God. The second thing, though, is about a challenge, a challenge of the kingdom. You see, you've become a Christian, but actually with that comes some inheritance, but also a challenge. It's the age-old question, how on earth am I supposed to live my life in the kingdom of God? We read in the Lord's Prayer, one that we probably again recited and did dramas about and fuzzy felts about as kids, that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Turn back with me to uh, Matthew 13, the reading that we just had. It's on uh, page 900. And 80, I believe. Yeah. You see, today's key message is all about the kingdom of God, putting God as our king in this world as it is in heaven. Let's think about the areas of life that Jesus refers to here in the small section of teaching. You see, he's saying that actually I need to be the king of everything. With the person next to you, just for a minute, look at the passages that are there and think, what areas of, Jesus, of life is Jesus talking about? What areas of life is Jesus talking about? Go, you've got about two minutes. Which areas of life is Jesus talking about? Shall I tell you my list then, if you're going to be quiet? I bet you had some of these. Work. Jesus isn't talking about bad gardeners or good gardeners. He's talking about the profession that that person was doing. He's also talking about home life, domestic responsibility. Who would have thought that Jesus would talk about washing up, hoovering? He's talking about our home life, our relationships, our marriages, our relationships with kids. He's talking about our domestic responsibilities, the washing up, the ironing. Jesus is also talking about our spiritual journey. We're all on a journey through life. And Jesus is talking here about our spiritual journey. But he's also talking about our money and our possessions. In other places, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God being about children and parents, responsibilities to other people and other workers, prayer, our neighbours. I could go on, but do you get the gist? Jesus is talking about our whole life being in the kingdom of God. Jesus is teaching us that everything we do should be under God's rule. And that doesn't mean living differently here in church and then completely differently on a Monday morning. I've got a, a, just a short DVD that I'd just like us to watch together. You might have seen this before. I'm hoping it's going to work. But this is a guy called Mark Green, and he's just going to tell us a little bit about the sacred and the secular. 
and how that works in our lives. Let's see if we can get this to work. You see, back in the first century, that was not an issue. When Jesus came onto the earth, the Jews were very good at seeing everything as sacred, everything as sacred. They knew about this challenge of the kingdom. They wanted to put God first in everything that they did. And they knew that there was no sacred or secular divide. And I'm just rushing through here. If you want some more stuff on how the different Jewish guys uh, saw the kingdom of God, I would love to uh, share it with you about the zealots and the Essenes. But let's think a little bit about the next bit that Jesus talked to us about. He talked about the fact that there would be a clash of the kingdoms. You see, the world back there had no idea of this sacred or secular. They wanted to put God first in everything. But actually, the message that Jesus came about, the kingdom of God, blew them away considerably. And in fact, so much that he ended up dying on a cross. You see, the earthly kingdoms threatened by Je- were threatened by what Jesus was saying, that the kingdom of God was here. The religious leaders weren't happy at all about it because it was a clash of the physical kingdom. At that time, the Romans ruled and they wanted to continue ruling. And different Jewish groups have sided with them or compromised their own belief. And Jesus came in and said, the only ruler is God. He created everything. He made this for you. He created everything. And that clashed the physical kingdom and ended up with Jesus dying. But also, there was a clash of a spiritual kingdom. You see, Satan had been allowed power on this earth. But now a new kingdom had come. Jesus proclaimed that. We read it. And Jesus came and reminded the devil who was in charge. Who remembers the story of the temptation of Jesus? He stood up in the desert and the devil takes him up. He takes him up to a high mountain and says, look out, everything could be yours. Now, can you imagine saying that to Jesus? He's the son of God. Actually, he already knows who's in charge. And Jesus comes back and says, Uh, away from me, Satan, I know who's in charge. My first uh, trip uh, in my sabbatical was to uh, Bosnia, and I went with Samaritan's person, and one of the journeys we went on um, took us to uh, a hospital uh, with many children in who either didn't have parents or who parents could not look after them. And I met a little girl um, who had no legs, And through the translator, we discovered that uh, actually her parents had um, not wanted her and put her on a train line, and they'd uh, lost her legs that way. And this girl, I have to say, was the happiest little girl I have ever met. She smiled. She giggled. I'm sure the nurses didn't appreciate it, but in the shoeboxes we were giving out were loads of tennis balls. She loved those, especially chucking them at somebody else's head. But um, it was great to meet this little girl and see the smiles on her face, but more than that, in her eyes. And this reminded me of the clash of kingdoms that we live in. You see, actually, we live in a world which tries to see some of those children as difficult or not lovable or actually whilst we want to help, we're just not quite sure what to do. God asks us in the new kingdom to have a new kind of 
set of values, a new kind of compassion. Jesus talks a lot about this. Don't get me wrong, non-Christians can have compassion too, but Jesus is asking for more than that. He's asking for action and new values and a compassionate heart. He's asking us to be people of justice who seek to make poverty end and peace reign. For we live in a clash of kingdoms. And he's not a theologian, he's a pop star, but Bono writes this. God's kingdom is in the slums, in the cardboard boxes where the poor play house. God is in the silence of a mother who has infected a child with a virus that will end both of their lives. God is in the cried heard under the rubble of war. God is in the debris of wasted opportunities and lives. God is us if we are with them. God is with us if we are with them. You see, the new kingdom came and it gives us new values to live by, a new way to show compassion, a new heart for the poor, a new way to live our lives. I saw that in that little girl I met, that actually, that as the nurses who were Christians cared for her, or not Christians as well, actually God was at work caring for that little girl because God viewed her as special, as part of his kingdom. But the second thing about this clash of cultures, and this is probably something that all really struck at the core of us, is that actually, even when we're Christians, there is still temptations to face. Oh, sorry. Uh, I read this quote, which made me laugh. There is always fresh cheese in the mousetrap. How true is that statement? There's always fresh cheese in the mousetrap. And just because we're living with a new king doesn't mean that we won't be tempted to live in a different way, to maybe uh, look after our money our way, or to have that power struggle between sin and the knowledge that we should be living a life that honors God's struggle with temptation is a perfect example of this clash of kingdoms that Jesus talked about. He's saying that just because you're in the new kingdom doesn't mean you won't be tempted to live ways of the old kingdom. And that leads us to the last point, another C, the choice of the kingdom. One thing I love about God is that he forces us to do. He created us with our own free will. God is king. He knows that. I know that. But actually, he doesn't force himself upon us in any way. He invites us. He encourages us. He says, I'm king. Who are you living for? If you're a Christian today, sat here, and you're living in the kingdom of God, which you know you are because you're a Christian, then are you going to live in the fullness of that kingdom? Are you going to let God change you to be a model citizen? Are you going to allow him to be the center? Are you going to let him change everything about you so that only he is king of your lives? Do you know what? If you do that, he'll change the view you have of yourself of your family, the poor, the struggling, your shopping habits, the way you spend your money. And I guess the question right at the end is which king are you living for? Which king are you living for? Jesus knew how important it was. That's why he talked about it so much. But he's saying, actually live for me and then you'll be living the way you're created to be. And the kingdom has come. And one day, one day, every knee will bow before that king. That's what it says throughout the Bible. 
but actually choose to do it now and you'll see living life to the full in an incredible way. Choose to live for the king now and actually your life will be healed and, and your life will be on a journey with God, which is incredible. Let's stand together and we're going to uh, sing a song which reminds us of God's kingdom. And maybe we want to just use this as a prayer. Father of creation, unfold your sovereign plan. Raise up a generation, that's me and you, who will march only to God through this land.